tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the tennis.com podcast here, New Year's Eve, uh, here with all the friends, Steve Tigner, Pete Bodo, <laughs> Richard Pagero, Pete there, of course. I'm Ed McGrogan. going to talk... Um, you know, with the year, of course, winding down, not winding down, basically over, 2013 on the horizon for um, all the tournaments, etc. cetera. Uh, we wanted to start off with kind of a big men's discussion, really kind of going forward, you know, where we see things, um, you know, with so much as, you know, passed us by. So I want to start with a question that has been asked to me before, and I think it's particularly relevant considering this past year's Grand Slam parody is – Will any man win a major outside of the big four players? And I say that with the, you know, with the expectation that we can always say, you know, if X goes right and player and Y and Z lose, Del Potro, Burditch, or Songa, they have the game to win it. But do you really, honestly believe that's going to happen in 2013? I think 2013 is going to be a year of change. You know, I mean, we've had the big four. You know, finally Murray establishes himself as a fully credentialed member of the big four. Everybody's thinking big four now, but I kind of think things are going to change a little bit this year. Two big reasons. Number one, Roger Federer's age. You know, uh, you know, granted he's still playing great tennis. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Yet you start not. You start having more tough days or bad days when you get to be his age. So I see him maybe not being quite as good as he was last year. And I have big questions about Nadal's knees. Very honestly, I don't know about Nadal's knees. I think he's going to be, could be in big trouble this year. Djokovic, of course, you know, he just, he's not asserted himself in 2012 the way he did in 2011 as a guy who's totally locked on, ready to go, ready to dominate in everything. So I definitely see a Tsonga. Maybe you know a Berdick or someone like that breaking through Del Potro, as you said. It sounds like I guess you're talking a little more, a little bit more about what may happen to the, you know, the the players in the Big Four, and less about a player stepping up from outside that group. I mean, I think that's kind of the crux of what I'm getting at. Is is do do you think um, you know these guys are capable of really taking advantage of any lapses, like you say, that may happen for Federer, et cetera? Yeah, I think. Um... I think, like Pete said, it's easy to just, just to, to just guess that the same thing is going to happen over and over. The big four are going to keep winning. Um, so, you know, I think that's it's possible for a change. The problem to me is I don't know who is exactly is going to step up and win one. I don't see David Ferrer is ranked fifth. I don't see him as good as he is having the power to do it. Song I don't see him being consistent enough. Berdych seems to me not to be able to follow through on on big wins enough. The one guy who you might say could do it is Del Potro. He's already done it. He was the last guy outside of the top four to, to win one. So, But he also has struggled, obviously, against those guys. So I think, to me, the odds are, if I had to say right now, I would say that nobody else, that the, the big four will win all the slams again. They, they do seem to have the matchups, you know, in this sport of matchups, really. It, it is a clear-cut shift to those guys. It's not even just that, you know, they've been superior players. I think it's that just they found a way to neutralize their games over and over again, I think, on all surfaces. And I think that's kind of the big reason. I think this is a very legitimate question is is one of those, you know, do you take, when you're betting, do you take a couple of players, do you take the field? And I think that's a perfectly, you know, fine reason to talk about it. R- Richard, what are your thoughts on um, kind of this continued, you know, top tier reigning over the tour? You know, does it continue? I think I think it will to a certain extent, but I, I think Del Potro 
could I think Del Potro could come through again. I mean, you look at that, the Wimbledon loss to Federer, played tremendous. You look at the French Open, he had Federer on the ropes there. To me, it's like he's got to pick up the serve a little bit, and the fitness is obviously, uh, the, the health is obviously a, a, always an issue with him. But, yeah, I mean, I think Steve's right. He hasn't matched up with all those guys in the past, but I think just game-wise, he's the one guy that, that – uh, he can be intimidating when he's on and he's got the weapons. So I would say he's the one guy I think it'll be interesting to see Sangha and Rashid if that produces Sangha, you know, sort of playing a little bit smarter and tougher. But I just think Del Potro has more game of, of the guys outside the top four. Yeah, Del Potro is the interesting, you know, we do bring him up as he, of course, had the major win in 2009 over Federer. Um, I do tend to think of those three that we put together, it, it is it is Sangha who has, I, I, I think, the better package overall, But and Rashid is an interesting point when you mention that. Now, of course, we leave until you mention Ferrer, just a second ago. I didn't even mention Ferrer in that question, and Ferrer has you know, put himself in that permanent number five slot, it seems. Um, I mean, Pete, does... Does he have a better shot than those other three guys, or do we do we really need to even look farther beyond you know this crop? You know, I don't believe he does. I, you know, I, I I admire the guy tremendously. Had a career year, but he's also he's another guy. I think he's 31 now. He might even be 31. So you know, he's you know he's looking at a guy with a very very big year to duplicate. Yet even in that big year. All he did was win his first Masters. So for him to take that next leap, I think, is a big thing. I'll tell you the guy I'm really looking at. Well, two things. Number one, Tsonga, I think, is a guy among the guys who you would consider contenders whose game clearly needs the most help. The guy plays idiotic tennis an awful lot of the time. I think now, he has the most potential, but I think you're right. He probably doesn't need the most help. Yeah, the guy. he's the one, one guy who can say, look, uh, when this happens, you do this. When a guy does this, you don't go for the between-the-legs stupid shot. You do this. He needs just to really tighten up that game and play to win, not just to look at it. If Rashid can get that done, he's going to be dangerous. One guy I'm really looking for, you know, pretty enthusiastically is Rayonich. I think that guy has played very, very steadily. He's obviously very young. He's maintained his position up near the top. He's dealt with some health injuries and stuff. I have a you know, real big feeling about his game, though. I think he's a guy who could break through and, and, and win a big one. He certainly, um, you know, after the Australian Open, uh, I think it was already in 2011, you know, got that and in the world of what have you done for me lately in tennis, you do kind of already hear people talking about Raonich in that, you know, is he really as good as we're thinking of him status there? Um, anything you want to kind of close this all with, Steve, about we'll this? Start, uh, just to go back to the to the top four, I think Pete's right that, that Nadal is a question mark, at least until the clay season. And I, and I actually want to save a little bit of Nadal for later, but, uh, but go ahead, go ahead. Well, I guess the one thing I would say looking forward to the season, you really don't know what's going to happen, but I think to start the year, the, the season's in Djokovic's hands. He's he's a guy who can he can win all four. He almost won four straight before. He's, he comes in as number one. He comes in with having beaten Federer pretty con, you know with a pretty convincing win at the World Tour final. So I think he starts the year with the with the with the season in in his hands as far as like he's a guy who can dominate. Yep. Yeah. I mean. Rhodes will, in all likelihood, go through him. I think that's a good way to put yeah. it, possibly. Um, I'll get to Nadal to close this segment, but the, next I want to shift gears, I think, to more an interesting subset of players, maybe rather than a contending subset of players, is the American men. And I, I mentioned that because I think 
if we're talking about a year of change or transition, this is certainly the group that I can surely say that it will impact. You have Andy Roddick retiring, which leaves us with kind of a an interesting crew here. You have an, a perennial unhealthy Marty Fish, but still kind of you know up there, obviously in the rankings with what he's done. John Isner, who started off hot, fizzled. Sam Query, who basically did the opposite, and a number of young players with equal potential and questions. Um, Jack Sock, Ryan Harrison, Donald Young, you could still kind of keep in that in that group. The question I have about the U.S. men is, what's the ceiling for this group of players, at least as it stands in 2013? I, I think we can talk a lot about the future with these players, but I think that gets a little too beyond the here and now of, of what we're really going to see. And Richard, maybe I'll I'll start with you. What you think, you know, American men's tennis fans can expect in 2013? Well, I mean, to me, ideally, if you finished 2013 with three guys in the top 20, you'd have to be really, really thrilled for American tennis. But I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, you know, Isner changing coaches. It, to me, it's the same story. It's like, dude, you got to improve your return. I mean, everybody's been saying that you got to take some cracks with your forehand. He hasn't been willing or able to, to do that consistently over the course of the year. Then again, when you have the, the uh, sort of offensive arsenal he has with the serve, you know, he's always a threat against anybody. You saw that even on clay. To me, Query's the most intriguing American guy, because as you said, you know, last April, this guy was playing challengers on the fringes of the top hundred, and he ended up, what, 21 or 22 in the world, took the first set from Burditch at the Open. I thought he was had a shot to win that match, beat Raonic at Wimbledon, almost knocked uh, Chilich out at Wimbledon. So I think, for me, Query has the physical tools in the game. It's just mentally, is is the guy a little bit too flaky? Is he tough enough? Does he does he want it bad enough? He's twenty. He's going to be twenty five, or he is twenty five. It's like, the time is now for good, him. Good memory there on the, some of the Query ones. I didn't uh, didn't. Yeah, I think everybody agrees with that there. Um, yeah, Query. You know, I, we, I we've all talked a lot about Isner because of how hot he started last year. So I think more of the talk maybe about Query right now. And, you know, Corey, the memories, the good memories I have of Corey, you know, one that really resonates, I remember, is he beat Andy Murray in, like, the L.A. final a couple of years ago. I mean, he really and, and just really took it to a guy who, you know, typically can diffuse any sort of a power player like that. And I think Corey showed, I think, what he's capable of. And, and like I said, th this is really what this whole discussion is about, is about capabilities. But, you know, if we want to be optimistic, let's also be realistic about everything here. Pete, what do you think about the U.S. guys this year? Well, you know, I, I think maybe Andy Roddick retiring is a blessing in disguise. And same with James Blake being out of the picture now because these guys were, they were the big dogs. And so all these other guys, you know, they were like, you know, they were respectful. They knew their place. You know, it wasn't going to be like none of them were going to go. You know, obviously, if they were in a position to really challenge Roddick, they would have. But they weren't in that position. They didn't want to be in that position, I don't think. And they Just, always, it seemed like even when Fish came up near Roddick, he sort of deferred attention to him anyway. Absolutely. Right. So now, basically, you've got a wide open field. Now it's a little bit like, you know, somebody's got to step up, be the new Andy Roddick. And who's it going to be? You know, I, I agree with you guys. I, I like Query a lot. I think Query, Query's game is deceptively, where his, his mentality and his spirit as a competitor is deceptively good, 
given how casual he is, yet there still is that question, and I think it applies to Isner as well. Both of those guys, do they both really want this? Do they really both want to, you know, win a major title? I mean, I think being number 10 in the world, Pete Samper said it, you know, you're going to have a great life being number 8, 10, 12 in the world. You know, you can eat at the best restaurants, you can play golf three times a week, you can make a ton of money, and nobody's going to bother you. So the question is, are these guys going to want it? I was a little bit surprised at the Boynton uh, Isner breakup. You know, you don't know what's in in these guys' heads and hearts in terms of their relationships, so you don't really know. But I really think Boynton had him nailed. I think his he drilled that whole thing into, into Isner about play big man tennis. You got to end the point quick. You got to play first strike. You start getting in rallies, you're going to get your buck kicked. And I really thought Boynton really had that, and he was on message with that. He stayed with that a long time. I thought it was an excellent pairing. I think he understood him well. I talked a long time with Boynton a few times. I think he really was inside John's head in a good way. I'm a little puzzled by this change, and we'll, and we'll see where it leads. I'm a little bit as well. I mean, I talked with Craig, too, last year, and that was the same mantra going forward. It was all about when you when, – uh, you know, Isner should know exactly his limitations and, and, you know, just deal with them. And and he has the game to deal with it if he wants to really impose it that way. So that, and obviously these bit, I think for all we can say about Isner really letting us down at the majors, he did make some significant strides this past year. And that's, that was a reason I was very little puzzled by this. The two made a great team I saw in person there over Indian Wells. Steve, why don't you finish this off and, um, you know your thoughts. I feel on like this. the word you know that you keep using is right is limitations. Each of these guys seems to have a limitation. And McQuarrie is a solid player, but but the match I go back to is his his loss to Burdich at the U.S. Open. Um, he did win the first set, and it was a four-set match. But at a certain point, you just felt like whatever competitive drive Query had or didn't have, he didn't have the game to beat Burdich. He just wasn't he he didn't have the game to beat a top five, top ten player. It wasn't going to happen. Isner, I'm I'm actually. Um, I like the fact that he was willing to change coaches. The guys are cl- clearly friends, but he felt like he needed a different voice. Boynton was obviously had the right points, but he wasn't getting John to to do what what um, he needed to do. The limitations with John we found last year were in three out of five set matches. Like whatever he does, however he plays, he struggles in those matches. He's great in two out of three, but we you know that we've discovered his limitation with that. And Marty Fish, you have to, it's, you know, you have to be concerned about him. He's already skipping the Australian Open this year. I feel like his health problems at this point at 31 aren't, aren't really going to go away. So the guy I'm looking for at least to see what he does this year is Jack Sock. He always has a lot of power. We'll see what kind of shape he can get in, whether he's ready to be more consistent. But he's at least an intriguing young guy. I knew you weren't going to say Donald Young there because you called you, you called that losing streak well in advance, and uh, <laughs> you said it would. I'm sorry to do that. If you I did, said it would threaten the record, and uh, yeah, it was, a, it was good stuff, guys. We will discuss the women uh, tomorrow, so tune in. Thanks again, Tennis.com podcast. Pete Bodo, Richard Pagliaro, Steve Tegner, Ed McGrogan. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.